We will turn back to Proverbs chapter 26, as we only saw a few verses in the beginning. And we will see, among other things, this chapter has much to say about laziness. That laziness is not something that is acceptable to God. God himself works. We're called to put effort and God forgives us of our sins when we have seen our lives where we have failed in these things. But there's a quickening that the Holy Spirit wants to give us that we are able to pray and read the Bible and do the works that God has called us to do with enthusiasm. Do what God has called us to do with enthusiasm. To put off sluggishness, slothfulness. Not to seek our comfort with God's comfort. Hallelujah. Not to seek to satisfy our hearts with God's heart. In doing so, we will be helping the people that God wants us to help. Hallelujah. Someone please read Proverbs chapter 26 in the New King James Version. And someone else please follow that up with the New Living Translation, the same chapter 26 of Proverbs. Let's hear the word of God as it's being read. Hallelujah. Psalm 26, New King James Version. As snow in summer and rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a flitting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for a fool's back. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. A lazy man says, There is a lion in the road. A fierce lion is in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. The lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies, it wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. He who passed by and meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes dogs by the ears, like a madman who throws firebrand arrows and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. But there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. Charcoal is to burning coal and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tale bearer are like tasty 
trifle and they go down into the inmost body. The fervent lips with a wicked heart are like a earthenware covered with silver dross. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays a deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred is covered by deceit, his wickedness will be revealed before the assembly. Who, whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it rolled back on him. A lying tongue hates those who crush by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Amen. Praise God. Someone else please read this in the New Living Translation. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Honor is no more associated with fools than snow with summer or rain with harvest. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. Guide a horse with a whip, a donkey with a bridle, and a fool with a rod to his back. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, or they will become wise in their own estimation. Trusting a fool to convey a message is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. A proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. Honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. A proverb in the mouth of a fool is like a thorny branch brandished by a drunk. An employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots at random. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. The lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ear. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoals or fire lights wood. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink 
deep into one's heart. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they're deceiving you. They pretend to be kind, but don't believe them. Their hearts are full of many evils. While their hatred may be conceived by trickery, their wrongdoing will be exposed in public. If you set a trap for others, you will get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. A lying tongue hates its victims, and flattering words causes ruin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The wisdom of God. It's written in the very first chapter, applying to the rest of the book, as well as everything God speaks to us, is to add learning to the person who's wise. Add instruction to the one who wants to be wise. To show how to walk. We hear many different things addressed in this chapter 26 of Proverbs. We see the contrast between the fool and the wise person. Very emphatically, the fool is described by his actions, his attitude. We see a clear picture of the world that we know, that we grow up in, grew up in and continue to live in. A lot of hypocrisy. We see how laziness is highlighted as a treacherous thing. There's ungratefulness certainly attached with that. We see how flattery can damage people, but it's hidden or attempted to be hidden with flowery words. Very directly it's written that a person can hide hatred while having seven abominations speak smooth talk. All of this causes me to be alert to that which is a lie in this world. And also to make sure I have no part with it. To decide and give myself over to the Lord, to God's wisdom, which is truthfulness, humility, diligence, not making excuses as the lazy man is able to answer, justify why I can't do what I'm not doing. Instead of saying it's because I don't want to do it, when it can be done, excuses come about from a deceptive heart. God hasn't taken away Proverbs 26 once we became Christians. He has not told us once you become a Christian, come to the Calvary, the cross, you can forget about the Proverbs because now Christ is your wisdom. The wisdom of Christ is explained here in detail so we know exactly 
what is going on in the world and be ever sober not to get caught up in it again. Not to give in to our old ways. We read the beginning of the Proverbs, chapter 26. Yesterday, we saw that a fool that's given honor is something that is abominable to God and completely outside of that which is normal. Just like snow wouldn't be found in summer. And then the Lord describes that a fool, even if you crush him with a pestle, that grain is crushed with, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. That's how dangerous it is to embrace folly. You cannot shake it off so easily. We need God, the sword of the Spirit that cuts asunder joints and marrow, spirit and soul, to take out that which is corrupt from our lives. What poverty for the believer who never reads the book of Proverbs. Never reads chapter 26. What is the result? There will be, as Prashant mentioned in his experience with the physical vision, that he was accustomed to seeing the world according to his ability physically to see. And he thought, that's how it is. I'm fine. As he related it to the spiritual myopia, blindness, more correctly put, of the world at large who cannot see the need for a Savior because it cannot see the deficiency, the sinfulness that's there that must be purged. Only the blood of a Savior can do that, Jesus Christ. So a Christian can continue saying, I have a little bit of John's Gospel today and that devotional and I can hear this and that and how impoverished we would be if we don't diligently look at the whole counsel of God. Why would we not do that? simple reason is unless you're in a condition like Esther where God is taking you through a valley where you cannot read, you cannot hear a sermon or the audio Bible. As with some saints of God, who in their older years, latter years, they become blind. They no longer can read, but they have stored up a treasure of the word for years, day after day, where they can quote large portions of scripture. Why? Because they have valued it. The simple reason why we would not be alert spiritually as we should be and be productive in the kingdom of God because we can really see now is because we claim we can see when we can't. That's what God is against. He said if you did not say that you could see when you couldn't, it wouldn't be so bad, but now you're really blind. 
because you're saying you can see when you can't. The Proverbs sharpen us. The next chapter we'll see, perhaps tomorrow. It says, iron sharpens iron. So a man, his friend, or his friend's confidence. We see that taken as a slogan in many a men's movement and maybe even women's groups. But it has no bearing whatsoever on the one who claims that if the truth is not present within that person. We need to really step up and see the words that we speak and the words that we defend. And uh, the cliches and the lukewarmness that we are ready to get excited about. Really understand where is the substance. It's only when we read the word day in and day out and read the whole thing as much as we can and say, Lord, I want to discover treasures from the old and the new. Be a scribe that is instructed in the kingdom of God. Now, as a believer, evangelical Christian in the 21st century, I can read chapter 26. For me, at least, it just sobers me up all the more. I don't look at it and say, I'll pick and choose. I say everything applies in one way or another. It makes me alert. I'm so thankful to God that he makes me alert every day when I go to him. Because every day I need that because I can go into a fog very quickly, especially with the status quo of lukewarm Christianity that's out there. I need to hear what the characteristics, attributes of a fool are in the sight of God. Make sure I stay far away from that. I need to be taught what wisdom is in the sight of God and cleave to that. I need to know that it's better to close my mouth, not boast about tomorrow. As we'll see in the next chapter. And in the book of James. But be humble and commit everything into the hands of God. I need to be careful that I'm not a person who is prone to saying nice things because I want to be accepted and liked when it can very well be flattering the sight of God. And there's something else on the inside, but I'm trying hard to suppress that or not present that. It's better to keep quiet than to flatter, for sure. But how quickly, impulsively, we do many things and it takes the Word of God to cut right through all of that and say, be quiet. Relax. Stay still. Let me show you what to say, when to say, and how to say it. It takes that uh, discipline for me to just stop. Stop. Just be humble before the Lord and let Him teach me. Because it's when I refrain and I step back that I'm able to receive from God. You know, even in ministry, we can be ministering to a lot of people, texting and calling and, and then trying with the few moments we can scrap up everything we've got to memorize something here and there or read this or 
jot some points down and we find that we are scattered spiritually. The growth is minimal at best. But if I say, Lord, with the people that are seeking help, that are begging my ministry, what do you want me to do, Lord? And am I really stable today? Am I really mature today that I can give counsel to another person? Or do I jump on the bandwagon and say, well, iron sharpens iron. So here, let me fling a verse to you and an exhortation here. Some people are very occupied with their phones and uh, messaging others in the name of God, in the name of ministry, and God may well say, stop. I don't want you to do that. Stop. Because you are scattered within yourself. And the way you're building yourself up with my food that I have for you, the manna, is that through the spare moments you have, it's not the priority. The priority for you is to be seen and heard. It takes the Word of God to cut through everything that is not pleasing to God. It's a good thing. I like it. I thank God for it because I'd rather God tell me the truth about me than to pretend. I'd rather tell myself the truth about me so I can make changes rather than go to people or convince myself that I'm okay. Maybe you are very tight with your purse. Maybe you are a Scrooge. With all that God's blessed you with, maybe it's hard for you to go beyond the tide. Think about it. We don't have to answer to each other. We have to answer to God because God may be speaking to you. Maybe your time is really precious to spend on yourself and spare moments can be given to God in the service of others. Who will tell me that truth? But God. Who would bring up the hypocrisy that's underneath the carpet that I've managed to sweep under? And before others, they can see my pearly whites, my nice words, and I'm a good Christian. But before God, it's not right. Quite a number of things are wrong. I'd rather hear that about me, if that's the case, than to go on pretending. Because then God can do that work, that spiritual surgery so desperately needed to really make me that golden cup. Everybody wants to be the golden cup. But the dross is not so easily taken out like the fool's folly. It's written even with a pestle, with a heavy stone. God says, it's not coming out of that man. It takes the word of God to be received, to make that clear separation. These Proverbs talk about laziness. Maybe all of us can say we've been guilty. I know I can. Growing up, the things that were afforded to me by God's grace, certain things I chose to do and other things that were important, I thought to set aside for another day. 
and I regretted it. One of those things that I'll never forget is when I should have gone and given the gun and given the gospel to a dying person. I didn't know he was dying, but I didn't listen when the counsel was given. I came through my own wife, led by the Spirit. She was restless all day that day, back in 1998 and 1999. The Holy Spirit kept working in her to tell me, go and give the gospel to this person in the hospital. And I felt... I worked hard, I'm tired, I have a headache, I have all these things happening. I can go tomorrow, leave me alone, I can go tomorrow. He's not dying. The Spirit of God knew better. When I didn't go, the next day I went, the man was gone. I'll never forget that. I chose that laziness for that moment. In my own wisdom, I could answer the Spirit of God and say, I know better. I regretted it. Even last night, I saw a co-worker, somebody I never met. I don't believe I've ever met him. But he came by. And as he left, he already left. I called him back and I gave him a tract. I said, I want you to have this. And he took it because there was another occasion when a similar man, co-worker, came, and I saw him now and then, but I didn't give him the gospel. Next thing I know, I saw him in the papers. He was gunned down in Brooklyn at a block party. Oh, my God. May I never be lazy when the Spirit of God prompts me to do something. God is a forgiving God to the degree that he has to speak with the emphasis and the repetition to whom much is given much will be required God is so merciful he'll wipe away genuine tears of guilt and remorse and repentance and he gives us another chance we have to be careful that we don't go to God and make excuses. It's the natural thing to do for the natural man and the carnal man. To self-justify, but we've got to come to a point when we just shut up and say, Lord, you speak. I will listen. You show me what needs to change and I'm going to take care of it, Lord. May the Lord help us. Once we've come to that Point. And we're reminded by the Proverbs, thanks be to God, and the Gospels and the whole Bible, we are kept alert that we don't fall and slip back into our old ways. And we are like that fine oiled machinery where the gears are working ever so smoothly with the synergy to produce the compound effect of that machine. The intended effect, that's what the word perfect means in a number of instances in the New Testament. Teleo or teleos, teleo. It means completeness, wholesomeness. It means uh, achieving the objective 
being in a position and doing things to produce the intended effect. The only way it's going to happen in my life is if I am walking according to the instructions and being handled by the master potter to become what I should be. In all of our lives, pride can prevent all of that from happening. And so continually we're told, even in this proverb, that a fool will have an answer. More than seven wise people ready to say, I know what I'm doing. Don't try to tell me what I should do. Mind your business. The only time we need to say mind your business because we've seen the same Proverbs. When we are prone to go and step into other people's affairs, not guided by the Holy Spirit, but trying to speak into other people's lives. When God said, don't do it. When he never sanctioned that. We may very well take a dog by the ears and get bitten. How wonderful that our lives can be guided, our lives by the Word of God in every aspect. Every aspect God wants us to have profit and not loss. Life and not destruction and death. And so he tells us how to behave with our neighbors, with our enemies, with our relatives, with our brothers and sisters. Paul said to Timothy that you may know how you ought to behave in the church of God. I'm giving instruction. A wise person will receive instruction if we are humble enough to consistently receive instruction we will not be crying many tears of remorse because we would have listened in the first place so like a bicycle with the two wheels and the spokes and the gears and everything just taken care of by a responsible bicycle owner and enthusiast perhaps well oiled and well taken care of every part meant to work in synergy to take the rider at the appreciable speed with the balance necessary, necessary with the economy required to the finish line or from point A to point B how does it happen? Because in that inanimate object, there's no resistance to the person who's working on making the bicycle better. This is what happens uh, when we buy cheap parts sometimes to cut corners and save some money. We end up paying a whole lot in the end. Because they simply don't laugh. They were not meant to really be in that place. But it was a cheap imitation from somewhere. Maybe ended up burning the appliance. Or burning the home. Or worse yet, taking the life of the owner. God says to us in so many words, right from Proverbs 1, listen. He says to me, listen. Just listen and you'll save yourself a lot of trouble. It's the lazy man, the foolish man, the lazy woman, the foolish woman, 
But does what? Keeps going the way he or she feels like. Maybe wearing a cross around the neck, carrying a Bible, playing box up, but just does not listen and doesn't want to listen. Or selective hearing. I will listen to this but not that. Don't tell me how to run my life when it comes to my money. Don't tell me what to do about my child. Woe to the person that tells me that I'm not a good parent. Better to meet a bear robbed of her whelps. What does that amount to? It's a foolish person. Some people don't like to hear the word fool. They don't like to be told, even by God, that that's the foolish thing you did. It hurts my pride. It makes me angry. I'd rather God tell me, this thing was foolish, that thing was foolish, than to flatter me or not say anything. Let me continue. In my folly, it's very, very possible for believers to continue in a certain area or areas of our lives in a manner totally displeasing to God, convincing ourselves that it's okay and surrounding ourselves with people who say it's fine because look at you over here. You're a star. I don't want to do that. I want God to be able to say in every area, and that's what Pastor Kerber preaches actually and has taught women for a long time now, you want to be a woman, she teaches women, who is successful in the home and outside of the home, who is uh, wise in dealing with your husband and your children as well as with the people who you evangelize outside, who your family could truly say, you're blessed, you ought to be praised. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but you surely are a woman who fears the Lord. You ought to be praised. I don't want to be a part-time Christian. Oh God, help me to be wise. I want to be the best husband that I can be. Not by my own estimation or other people who claim iron sharpens iron and men's groups and promise keepers and this and that. Where a whole slew of them are still in pornography and still in gambling and smoking and what iron is that that can sharpen another iron? I must have the truth embraced wholeheartedly. To have a life that is godly, then I can sharpen my brother. First, the Lord Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye, then you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. But too many people have logs. They want to go sharpen somebody else. Let me minister. I hate to hear those words, and I'm sure God hates to hear that. When I haven't obeyed God first in my own life, or I partially obeyed. One of the greatest lessons we can learn is to sit still and keep quiet until we're thoroughly prepared to do what God called us to do. Hallelujah. I'd rather spend 12 years in school, even if it was a four-year curriculum, 
thoroughly learning the subject, being qualified, and to come out haphazardly like an electrician who doesn't know what he's doing and burn the house down. Maybe kill people. God gives us a sobering word because it's needed. And it would make us to switch to the other side and embrace wisdom. It would help us to say, Lord, if this is the case, this is how serious it is, and you have clearly outlined it in Proverbs 26 and in the exposition this morning, how desperately I must be at your feet and how I want the whole counsel of God. As I said recently, we ought to really long for making time to gain large portions of the word because we have lost it for many years. We've missed it. We need to say now, I'm not letting it go. It is more than fine gold. More than anything. I want to read this word, Lord. I want to sit at your feet. I want to keep quiet. And I want you to speak to me. That person will be the very person the only person that can become a golden cup in God's hands. Ready for every work that the Master has intended. Teleo, perfect. Hallelujah. It's the godly person that can truly sharpen another person. Nothing less. Any sharpening that a blunt, you just think about it, knife sharpener, reprobate, useless, or a useless tool. A Phillips screwdriver that looks like a miniature cylinder at the end. I can try to tap it into that screw. I can try to sharpen it another way to make it like a point. But certainly it'll be futile and People will laugh and mock. Why don't you get the right tool? If the person should say, well, what is the right tool? Let me show you. This is what it looks like. That's what God is doing. He says, I want to really sharpen you to be able to do the job I've called you to do. And you need the Spirit of God. As we read yesterday, as we close, when do you speak to a fool and when do you not speak? We need the Holy Spirit. Desperately, I need the Holy Spirit to show me. And He will. If I come to that conclusion that I don't know. I know nothing. I need you, Lord, moment by moment. I need to be sensitive to you, Lord. So when you say stop, I can stop. When you say don't even start, I don't even start. And then, God can trust me. He can trust you to do just what Jesus said. Jesus did. And the result will be net gain for the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Yes, there's a world dying out there. We desperately need the word of God. We need the wisdom of God. And yes, we have brothers and sisters within our own circles who are dying spiritually. We know it. 
because now we've come closer to God. And our hearts are breaking. Oh, if they can only see. But they think they can see. That's the problem. We start praying with the burden. But remember, we have to clean house first before we can help somebody clean their house. And God is doing that continually purging us. Yes, he's doing something big. Through the period of trial that the church is going through, he is purging, hallelujah. He's really showing us that the conniving of the old man, Jacob, has to be put to death before I can wrestle with God and come away with a blessing. Hallelujah. May the Lord speak to our hearts and help us lay hold of the Word of God and genuine humility before God's presence like never before so we can come away with great dividends and make glad our Father's heart because we were wise sons and wise daughters. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord. Everything you're speaking to us, Lord, every day, oh my God, I pray, help us to hold it fast and put it to work, put it to use. Lord, that we don't drop the marbles every day that we collected. Go back to picking up the same marbles. But Lord, we can have something addition to that, in addition to that every day. Because we've put it to use. We've held it, not let it fall. Thank you for the spiritual discipline, Lord, spiritual lessons, spiritual inheritance you have for those who will be wise. You will make us, Lord, just like the apostles and just like you. Oh, Holy Spirit, sweep over our souls. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to spend more time with you intimately, with mouths closed and ears open, except when we worship you, receive your presence, and then give you thanks for all we've received. Be sure to do what you said next time we come to pray. We will not be hypocritical, but we'll be wise, be able to say, Lord, I've multiplied what you gave me yesterday. There have been some changes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father, for the healing of our souls, first and foremost. I thank you, Lord, for helping us to see clearly from your Holy Spirit that you're drawing us closer to you. And we have to make this a priority, the priority of our lives every day. Not to forfeit the time we must spend in your presence not to allow that conversation within our minds that used to be there. Things that are carnal. But Lord, to be spiritually minded and harness every thought by the grace of God with the full intention to let that conversation within our heads be well-pleasing to you. May the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing, acceptable, to you, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for hearing the prayers of purged lips. 
Oh, God, purged hearts. Those are the only prayers you said, Lord, that will have effect. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Calling us to true righteousness within our own homes, within our own hearts and minds, in our workplaces, everywhere we go, that we would be, Lord, holy people, that you may hear our prayers, righteous people. I thank you, Lord, that you are doing that work and prayers are being heard. I can hear in some of the prayers, Lord, that there's a connection with the, with the Lord like never before. Hallelujah. Because there's a reality that's being faced within their own lives. I've got to be holy. I love to be holy as my Lord has commanded me. Hallelujah. I pray that everyone, Lord, in our church would be holy as you call us to be. That, Lord, the combined effect, the synergy that will be there spiritually will bring down mountains in a hurry. Whatever we ask you. I thank you, Father. For tender mercies. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.